that awkward moment when you tell a chemistry joke and get no reaction. <laughs> This is the AT Banter Podcast, a balanced and entertaining look at assistive technology, accessibility, and its importance in people's lives. Join Rob Minot, Ryan Fleury, and Steve Barclay as they banter with people around the world about anything and everything about assistive technology and the disability community. Now, on with the show. Hey, and welcome to another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. <laughs> what was that? Whoa, what? That was what? a double cowbell. No, there, there was, that was not a double cowbell. That was a nothing cowbell. Nothing came through. Yeah. What? Really? Yeah. Not a thing. Nothing. Really? It's big. You can hear me okay. Yeah. Yeah, we can hear you okay. okay but give, give me so a bang. Give me a uh, that was hmm. It's cutting out. Yeah, that was sort of try, cut off. It's try, like try it again. Noise canceling or something. A good one. It's cutting it off. Yeah, you know what? I bet you it's the noise cancellation. Z- yeah, Zoom's probably canceling it out, suppressing it. Well, let me move it. Let me like move that. it away a bit. I don't like Zoom suppressing our cowbell. This is no. Good. No, wait. I Any talked better? over that one. Why well, talked over? It. Any better? No. How about now? No. How about now? Weak. <laughs> they're, they're they're all weak. They're all. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. All right, no cowbell this week. Well, Moving we, on. What do you? How about no Zoom suppression this week? Uh, well, we're getting rid of Zoom here pretty quick. So. All right. Okay. Well, you're in charge of that. Well, okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> hey, my name. Insert electronic cowbell here. Yeah, maybe we have to <laughs> have to build one in, right? Yep. Uh, hey, my name is Rob Minot. Uh Joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Uh, with no cowbell. And uh, Mr. Steve Barkley. You just reminded me I need to inventory my cowbells. <laughs> How many do you have? Well, I According guess if to you my knew that, you wouldn't have to inventory about, them. About 10. <laughs> 10? You've sold like 12 or 13 or 14? Oh, you see the count's wrong already. Yeah, I thought you had like two dozen. Yeah, I don't think I put them in an inventory though. Oh, okay. Uh, how are you fellas today? Oh, just Jim Dandy. I'm sad. Why, why are you sad? My cowbell didn't work. Yeah, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's concerning. Well, it's funny too, because you were just telling me how, how you've adjusted all your Zoom settings. So no, this, is, this hasn't changed. This has been like this for months, yet the yeah. cowbell worked yesterday, so oh, I don't know. What's happening? Did you? Hmm, I don't know. I don't know. We have to reach out to Zoom support. Uh, no. Goodbye, Zoom. <laughs> oh, poor Zoom. Zoom, go bye-bye. Yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens to Zoom after the pandemic. Yeah. Once things go back to normal. I bet you'll still be a thing. It's still it's still oh, in a pretty sure. good position. Oh, yeah. we, we needed a Skype killer anyways because Skype is terrible. So I'm sure people will still use it to to do video calls mm-hmm. and stuff. What's new and exciting? We've it's been so long. Hmm. 
new and exciting. Is this thing on? Hello. New. Hello. Exciting. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I saw an interesting article uh, online about uh, about accessibility, which I feel like it that ties in fairly well with uh, what we're doing today. So, uh, but before we launch into that, then let's tell the fine people what we are doing today, Ryan. Today, we are speaking with Mike Gifford. Now, Mike has a few different hats that he wears. And so what I've decided to narrow his title down to is accessibility specialist. <laughs> well, shouldn't you ask him that? Like, can you just do that? No, I didn't ask him. I just, told, I just, I'm just doing it. Okay. Wow. Okay. Well, <laughs> well if I say he's a Drupal, Drupal core accessibility specialist, Nobody's going to know what Drupal is or Drupal is for the most part. Or if you say he's a, a, what was the other one? Something analyst or something. That means nothing to me either. So to me, he's an accessibility specialist. <laughs> I love it. Come on, AT Banter. We'll just change your title. That's right. Digital accessibility whatever. specialist. You're going to be whatever we say you are, damn it. That's right. That's right. You could be a fish farmer. He's not a fish farmer. Oh, I said, you could be. I could be. Anybody could be. If I change their title, they could be whatever I want them to be. Well, please don't make me a fish farmer because I don't even like fish. <laughs> What's wrong with fish farming? Because I don't like fish. And, <laughs> and that seems weird. All right. You're a cow farmer, herder. Farmer. How do you herd fish? <laughs> oh, I have no idea. Steve, how do you farm fish? Herd fish. Well, first you get yourself a small fish. You <laughs> put the fish in the hole and you cover it over and you water it real good. <laughs> Eventually you'll get a fish bush and you got to wait for the berries to ripen on it. They're small, they're orange. Then you take them and you put them in a stream and they hatch into salmon. I think I just peed a little. Oof. There <laughs> <laughs> oh, he goes. Make that a lot. <laughs> oh, my. Well, okay. We're off to a good start. This is excellent. <laughs> you should write some of that stuff down. We should do a podcast. <laughs> Steve's quotes. <laughs> yeah. Shit Steve says. Wait, shit, Steve's SSS. <laughs> wow. The SSS section. There you go. We can add that to the podcast. The, the triple we S. We were looking to change things up anyway. The That's triple right. S. I like it. Uh, all right. Well, yes. So we're. what are we going to be talking to Mike about? Uh, pretty much mainly online accessibility, digital accessibility. So websites, standards the digital domain well you know it's funny that we're going to be talking about that because the article that i'm talking about speaks specifically for that and this really this really underlines why digital accessibility is important so this is something that's going on right now down in the states the title of the, of the article is vaccine websites violate disability laws create inequality Many COVID vaccination registration and information websites at the federal, state, and local levels violate disability rights laws, hindering the ability of blind people to sign up for a potentially life-saving vaccine, a KHN investigation has found. 
Across the country, people who use special software to make the web accessible have been unable to sign up for the vaccines or obtain vital information about COVID-19 because many government websites lack required accessibility features. At least 7.6 million people in the U.S. over the age of 16 have a visual disability. Uh, it goes on, WebAIM, a, a web accessibility organization, checked COVID vaccine websites gathered by KHN from all 50 states and the District of Columbia. On January 27th, it found accessibility issues on nearly all of the 94 web pages, which included general vaccine information, lists of vaccine providers, and registration forms. In at least seven states, blind residents said they were unable to register for the vaccine through their state or local governments without help. Phone alternatives, when available, have been beset with their own issues, such as long hold times and not being available at all hours, like websites. Even the Federal Centers for Disease Control and Prevention's Vaccine Administration Management System, which a small number of states and counties opted to use after its rocky rollout, have been inaccessible for blind users. So then the article goes on and it cites uh, a bunch of different examples of, of different blind and partially sighted people all over the country that, you know, they're basically having the same experience, which is they're, they're just not able to either register for a vaccine or, or get um, vital information without any sort of cited help. This goes back to the Domino's lawsuit that we talked about last year, right? Um, you know, this is where digital accessibility goes from something like, oh, well, you know what, just phone and order your pizza to this really highlights the, what can really go wrong when digital accessibility isn't baked in at the development, developmental level. And uh, it, it's leaving these people, you know, they're, they're essentially unable to register to actually get the vaccine. They're, they're all eligible for it, but they can't actually make an appointment because they can't access these systems that online is the only option. Yeah, this is so stupid. You know, we're supposed to be past this, particularly for government. Like what? What on earth? How 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 do they drop a ball that large? Well, and you know, I my first thought was we were faced with this pandemic early in 2020, and as soon as they heard that you know there were companies working on a vaccine, there had to have been somebody thinking about okay, how are people going to how are we going to roll this vaccine out? How are people going to register? You know, by phone, sure, websites, sure. Why wasn't this thought of? Well, and I mean, you know, it's it's not like it's rocket science. We're talking literally about web forms. We're talking about drop down menus. We're talking about text fields, and they're they're just they're not labeled, or the drop down menus like Jaws isn't reading them because they're not they're not uh, the coding isn't isn't right. Like these are all really simple coding errors that absolutely can be fixed but because there's no real rock solid um, accessibility built into building these these forms online um, all the stuff just falls through the cracks you know they just rush these forms out they put them up uh, because you know obviously time is of the essence but they don't go through that that accessibility pass to make sure that 
everything is accessible. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's just going back to the same old thing that we've been fighting for like 20 years. Well, even if they were to have the forums up and roll it out to some testers through the NFB or AFB for a week, just to throw your screen readers at it, throw your assistive technology at it, give us your feedback, you know, what seven days, you know, do some, do some testing, get some focus groups. I, I'm just really surprised they didn't do any of that. The, the sense that I get is that this whole vaccine rollout, in, especially in the States, but like, let's be honest, I don't think that it's going to go necessarily any better here in Canada, but it's nope. completely chaotic. You know, you've got all the different states that are that are doing their own things. Some of them are using, you know, the the federal tools. Some of them are using state tools. So it's all over the map. Any anyways, there's there's no real one portal that's dealing with all this stuff. So, you know, your mileage is going to vary depending on where you are anyways. And, and that's just, you know, the vaccine in general. But then this accessibility aspect of it, like nobody's paying attention to that because everything is just a complete and utter cluster f right like i don't know it, but you know again what frustrates me is that yeah it's 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 chaotic and stuff but accessibility and making sure that people in the disability community have access to this stuff always seems to fall at to the bottom of the pile yeah and I, i'm sure we'll like you mentioned we'll start hearing some shouts and screams i would think relatively soon here in canada now that they're they're getting people read, ready to register online and by phone as well. You know, I think we're going to face the same situation up here. I, I think so. It's it's so frustrating. Well, and they know better. In, down there, they know better. How many lawsuits are in play right now? Mm -hmm. Like they know what has to be done, yet they continually get sued after sue after sue after sue, and they just don't seem to get it. It's crazy. And for this, that's something that's literally life-saving. Yeah, this isn't pizza for dinner. That's right. <laughs> this could save your life. That's yeah. right. <laughs> and a lot of times, like, these online systems are the only way to make an appointment. Like, there, there is no other option. And so, you know, I guess everybody just thinks that, you know, well, if you're blind, you know what? Uh, somebody around you that can see, just get some help. Like but not always. Deal? Like if I didn't uh, have my wife here. It doesn't matter. It shouldn't, it shouldn't even matter if you do or not. Like Exactly. If I didn't have my wife here, Steve, can I take a couple hours off? Because I might be on hold trying to register for my vaccine. Yeah. You know, like not everybody has that ability or has someone near them that they can rely on to give them the assistance. So you got to have these place, these tools in place that are accessible. It's just, it's not hard. It's Especially not hard. at a time when you're not supposed to have people coming over, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 You're in lockdown restriction. Invite somebody over. But, uh, no. <laughs> so again, you know, I really think that accessibility really needs to be a, a much larger component of web development than it is. Like it should be day one when you're learning how to code and w when you're learning how to how to develop apps, whatever it is, I just think accessibility needs to be a topic that's that's near the front of that content. So let, let me ask you this question, Rob, because you've done some web design, a tool, I don't know, such as Dreamweaver, Dreamweaver. Uh, was that what it was called? Dreamweaver? Yep. Yeah. Um, do, do they have like an accessibility checker, an accessibility checkbox or tools built in that you can access? They've they've gotten better in, in recent years, but not really. 
Okay. No, it's usually left to to whoever is doing the development to know about accessibility and what's available and how to do it. That's right. I mean, okay. Yeah. But typically something like this, that kind of work gets put out to a to a contractor, right? And all they have to do is say that it's got to be accessible as part of the contract. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then do some basic basic testing. Yeah. You know, it it's not rocket science to make this information accessible. No. As no. you say. But I mean, I, I do, like, I think that this is a direct result of people not taking, like, lawsuits like Domino's, for example, seriously. Um, everyone is just like, ah, you know, what's, what's the big deal? Well, here you go. Here's the big deal. This is what happens when digital accessibility, you know, falls, falls to the wayside. People die like the, you know, ne probably never before this pandemic. Have we ever had a situation where there were such vital systems that were exclusively online that people needed to access that now we're seeing all these holes and this is a result and it's it's scary. Well, and I've said before, I think that's one of the pluses of going through this pandemic is it is exposing all the holes in the systems. Yeah, but I, mean, I don't know, man. But, you know, it just makes you go, well, you know what? If they don't give enough of a shit to fix this, they're yeah. certainly not going to, you know, do it for, you know, when you're on the other side of this, when they're talking about fixing retail. Oh, absolutely. Online retail stores or something. But yeah, ugh, it's it's aggravating, man. So I feel for I, I feel for for people down in the states but man I, I i just don't think we're that far away here i think ryan you're absolutely right i think that uh i don't know that our rollouts are going to go any any smoother because we struggle with the same things the, the same web accessibility issues that everybody else does and i'm mad yay it's not me this time <laughs> rob angry <laughs> <laughs> yeah first our cowbell fucks up and now this that's right. God damn it! <laughs> I, I, I think we'd be, I think we'd best get a guest on before we uh, <laughs> die of die of frustration here. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, maybe Mike can cheer us up. All right. Why don't we bring him on, Mike? Thank you so much for joining us today. I am the one, the only Ryan Flurry. Oh joining us in the room is Mr. Steve Barclay, not the British one, <laughs> and Mr. Rob Minot. Uh Hello. Nice to be on on AT uh, banter. Finally, it's been been great listening as a, as a as a uh, you know a subscriber and, and happy to be part of the conversation. Yay, we wow. have a listener! Wow, you listen to us <laughs> and you agree to come on anyway. Wow, <laughs> doing something right. Well, you guys are always having a lot of fun, so it, it seemed like a good place to join in. Well, oh, it's bad you weren't here a few weeks ago. We could have we could have waxed about the '80s, nostalgic about the '80s for an hour and a half. <laughs> I, I uh, yeah, I was definitely listening to that one, and it was like, oh man, like such an era, such an era. It, it was indeed. Fashion-wise, we have a lot to apologize for, but our music is awesome. <laughs> Some of it. Let's be honest. Anyways, that's <laughs> right. Well, we digress we immediately. That's, that's a bad sign. That's AT banter. <laughs> it's hard when you're following an '80s podcast. I mean, it's just, just it's 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 a hard act to follow. It is. Well, it's it's funny because we talked about maybe doing a '90s or a '2000s or '70s, and they just aren't weren't the same. <laughs> the yeah. '80s was like the big decade <laughs> for us, anyway. For, for the important generation. That's right. That's right. 
why don't we start off with maybe just giving us a little bit of a snapshot of who Mike Gifford is and, and what you're up to these days. So, um, so I, I, for 21 years, I ran a company called Open Concept and I got involved in um, <clears throat> accessibility about 12 years ago uh, with the Drupal community and started, I, I thought I'd be able to make a simple, easy fix in, in, um, in Drupal 6 that would make it easier to sell in government. Um, apparently, um, accessibility is a much more complicated thing than I had initially thought when I was trying to fix the fix the problem. And so here I am, 12 years later, still finding more bugs, still fixing bugs, but also really appreciating the complexity and the um, the, the the wonders of, of of how much how much how many people interact with with the the web in so many different ways, and how much there is to learn and appreciate about uh, people's uh, contributions and 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 how how difficult it is to fix a wicked problem, but what a, a worthwhile challenge it is to try. So let's just step back for just one second because there are gonna be a bunch of um, people who aren't web geeks that may not be familiar in, with what Drupal is. So could you just give us a, a, a bit of a rundown on, on what that actually is? Um, yes, but actually, before I do that, I, I have to, to also say that, that in November we were acquired by Civic Actions, which is another Drupal, um, Drupal shop that does, uh, does work with government and, and nonprofits in the U.S. So um, as of, of, uh, of November onward, I've been working with, with uh, this other great group of, of, uh, of open source enthusiasts. But, but Drupal is a content management system. It's a, a database-backed uh, uh, you know, system that allows you to create content and manage content. Um, and it's, it's, uh, it's quite popular. It runs about uh, 2 to 3% of the, the internet. That's over a million websites. So um, the chances of you using Drupal are, are really high. Like the, um, the CNIB uses Drupal, the NFB uses Drupal, the RNIB uses Drupal, AbilityNet uses Drupal. Um, so does the Queen, so does the, the Governor General, so does you know, <clears throat> NASA and, and so many other organizations that, that are, um, are, are looking at, at trying to have a, a robust um, system for managing and organizing their content. Um, it's also particularly useful in the education sector. Um, so <clears throat> many universities have standardized on it. So Waterloo, all of the, the Waterloo websites are, are managed through Drupal, same with McGill. Um, Berkeley does a lot of work with, with Drupal, as does uh, MIT. Um, so there's a lot of, of institutions that have, have invested in Drupal as the, the platform to help manage how they, 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 they deliver their websites. So can you give us then an idea of then how does accessibility sort of factor in um, the process in, in terms of what you guys do at, at Civic Actions? We're, we're trying to actually, well, we have successfully baked a lot of it into Drupal. So Drupal is, is, is already one of the most accessible content management systems out there. Um, so not only is the, um, <clears throat> the, the front end trying to achieve WCAG 2.0 AA compliance, but we're also trying to go off and, and do that for the back end. So we want to make sure that you're able to, um, to use the, the to, to, as if you're a blind user or a person with a disability, um, that you should be able to not only view the content, but edit the content, administer the website and develop on the website as well. Now it's not perfect, but, but we've gone a long ways. Um, we've also tried to implement the, the, um, the ATAG spec, which is the authoring tool accessibility guidelines. <clears throat> so, and we're trying to do that in Drupal core. 
because if we can fix it in core, yes, we help to, to fix our own websites, but we get to propagate these these fixes and and, and actually make sure that that a significant chunk of webs of the web is more accessible by default. Um, so so if the web a million study comes and, and, and rolls across Drupal websites, they're generally more accessible than other other sites simply because we've we've incorporated a lot of things into the content management system that 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 just makes it easier to be be accessible by by default. Um, so one of them is is um, requiring alt text. Mm -hmm. So you can override this, but in Drupal eight, you need to to have alt text by default as as part of your 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 process of uploading images. Um, so just that that reminder that that effort to try and, and make it just that much harder to go into to not to to do the wrong thing um, because it's 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 about trying to, to build incentives in place so that that users are able to that authors are able to to um, make it as easy as possible for them to 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 make content accessible and to think about accessibility. It's so interesting too from a development standpoint. Um, we had a we we sort of had a, our own little experience with uh, we we've been trying out a, a few different recording platforms to record the show on and one right. of them that we that we recently tried out Ryan was able to sort of you know use the interface and it was fairly accessible and then literally they did a huge update and it completely revised the UI and from you know overnight it went from being somewhat accessible to pretty much inaccessible and it's right. it's really interesting to me how developers when they when they don't look at things through the lens of accessibility they can really just shoot themselves completely in the foot well they lost me as a customer yep you know? right um but it's just, it's one of the things that if it's not baked into the culture of the organization if the organization isn't thinking about it then <clears throat> then it's something that's going to be overlooked um there was a, a a large controversy a few years ago with with wordpress um which generally is has i mean there's a strong accessibility community around wordpress uh, WordPress is another content management system that a lot of people have heard about. But when Gutenberg came in, it was more important for um, for them to to launch Gutenberg with an inaccessible authoring interface than it was for them to to sit down and make sure that the new authoring interface was accessible for users. Um, so again, they 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 created a rift in the community, um, and they 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 had a, a long term damage because they weren't considering the impact of, of users with disabilities, not just on the um, not just as 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 as, as viewers as uh, as users of the system, but as 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 authors and editors. Yeah, and I feel like the the whole back end system is something that is often overlooked. I mean, when we talk about accessibility, we're always sort of talking about you know, the actual content, the end result being accessible. And we don't really think too much about, yeah, like all those really cool, shiny content management tools and gimmicks that all these that all these sites have. Um, just how accessible are they? And is that a priority? And, and it's something that <clears throat> that needs to be maintained as well. Um, you need to be make sure that that leadership is is uh, talking about accessibility and that there's enough momentum around accessibility in the culture so that that there there are, that, that issues don't fall back and, and and I also think there's a there's a challenge with with um, uh, with trying to make sure that you how do you see accessibility issues is accessibility a feature or is it a bug if you if you run into a problem is it is it a matter of, of a if, if the website doesn't meet WCAG uh, specifications the web content accessibility guidelines 
is that a, a bug that should be should be addressed as a as a as a sign of bad code, or is it just a nice to have feature that you want to, to implement? And especially in the authoring interface, people most content management systems, most learning management systems, um, <clears throat> see the the authoring interface as a nice to have. Yeah, but you've done a little bit of work on the or talking about the Accessible Canada Act, haven't you? Yes, we have, and actually that is on the um, list yeah. of something to talk to you about because I'm curious to get to hear your thoughts about it. Um, well, it's 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 an interesting act, but but it, one of the interesting things about it is that they uh, it's not just about the accessibility for citizens. They also are, are trying to, as part of the act, make the the um, make the public sector the most accessible and most inclusive workforce in in the world and uh, that's one of the goals that they're the of the accessible Canada Act so all of the the um, the government websites right now if they're they're not really thinking about on the inside how accessible it is for the users. I've, I've talked to people in government departments who are, are blind who basically say that 90% of the software that, that, that comes across their, their desk, they can't use because it's not built for blind users. Um, and um, that's, you know, so there's going to be a huge shift that's necessary in order to, to, um, to transition so that, that the public sector is, is actually able to to um, usefully employ people with disabilities in all sectors of, of the organization um, not for, for well for, for creating the public facing content but also in terms of, of um, making sure that the, the the internal systems themselves are able to be as inclusive as possible for for staff in the public sector so why do you think it has taken Canada so long when the US has had the ADA for decades and even with the, the accessible Canada Act, you know, we've heard that the government themselves have the right to exempt themselves from this act. So what's the point? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the challenge with the, the, the Accessible Canada Act is that it requires so much of, of the authority comes down to the, the chief accessibility officer, um, the chief accessibility, or the accessibility commissioner, and the chief information officer um, of the government of Canada all making it a priority. And right now, two of those three roles have not been filled. So that's a huge issue that, that we have have um, this act that there's a lot of fanfare around, but ultimately that that they haven't they haven't done the due diligence to actually fill um, fill the positions that that really should have been they should have been thinking about this back in 2019 when the the act was was uh, was implemented, and there should be people in there being advocates for change within the public sector with with the the authority to be able to uh, provide fines and and, um, yeah. and and other types of, of enforcement with you know, within the public sector, and also all of the the federal agencies that are regulated by the the, uh, the government of Canada. Um, <clears throat> so that includes the, the mining sector, the airline sector. Like there's a lot of, of organizations and companies outside of the public sector that are impacted by the Accessible Canada Act. Um, but it's different from the U.S. Uh, because we're a different country. We have we have um, just just the, the the realities of of um, um, our federal provincial relations are, are such that that so many of the responsibilities um, fall onto the provinces um, and to some extent on the municipalities um, but that that's not within the constitution um, but it's it's uh, that federal provincial um, um, challenges is something that that has has made it difficult but we also don't have the the um, quite the history of of the the um, um, of, of Section 508 and 8 and the, the ADA. I think that the, the U.S. has um, 
Um, we, we generally tend to trust our governments here in Canada, which, which they don't have that, that um, tradition in the United States um, as much anyways. Um, so, so I think that our inherent nature to trust government to do their best, this is something that, that I think has, has often left people with disabilities behind, unfortunately, here in Canada. I guess one of my fears is that if we're relying on the public sector to learn about being accessible or becoming accessible, who's educating them? And if we start levying fines, is there going to be a lot of litigation like there's in the U.S.? I don't know that like most most of the world doesn't have the litigious culture that the United States has. Right. Um, there's really interesting work on accessibility that's happening in, in Europe, Norway, um, and Australia, New Zealand, um, that there there are different ways to approach it rather than than litigation and i'm not sure that that by with the government's um creating fines uh, either through the aoda or through um i mean bc is uh, coming up with an accessibility act as well uh, manitoba has one nova scotia has one you know if if they start finding finding organizations for for not meeting the accessibility guidelines um, I don't think that that, that will be become a, a court issue generally because that's not generally how how we do things in Canada, but I could be wrong about that. Um, yeah, but I've also I've also heard you mention Mike, even if you are you know WCAG um, compliant, doesn't mean you're accessible. Right. So are we going to spend the next twenty years working out accessible accessibility standards and really not getting anywhere? Well, I think that the the I mean, the standards are changing, um, and the technology is changing, yeah. and and there's there's a lot of good in that. Um, but it also means that that you really have to transition how you think about accessibility from being um, a checklist to say yes, it's accessible, to to being more of something where you you actually have um, a you see it as a journey. And that that it's it's the imp importance of organizations to be on that journey and to 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 be um, to set up the culture and the processes and the systems in place to see that that their 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 websites and their digital properties are more accessible today than they were yesterday. Um, that should be the goal. Um, <clears throat> and when we're looking at achieving WCAG 2.0 AA compliance, that should be seen as as the the floor for the, the minimum requirements that we're 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 achieving. Um, most people still see that as 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 a as something to attain, as more like a ceiling than, than the floor. Um, but that's because we're not really thinking about this in terms of delivering good customer experience, and we're also not thinking about um, the about people with disabilities as being. Um, we, we generally tend to think of them as a small portion of the population, but it isn't. It's, it's about a fifth of the population has a permanent disability, right. uh, one or more per, uh, permanent disabilities. Um, but then if you, you layer in temporary and situational disabilities, you're dealing with 100% of the population. Um, if you're looking at, at uh, seniors, I mean, we've, we've, we've got a, um, uh, the baby boomers now are, are, are basically all in a situation where about, about half of the baby boomers are, have some form of disability um, just based on aging. Um, so, so I think that we're, we have to think about this differently than we have been um, and, and help people realize that, that uh, disability isn't something for, for those poor other people. It's actually an inherent part of being human and something that we're, even if we're, we're not 
necessarily concerned with with um, with supporting blind customers today. Um, none of us know whether or not we will have have our, our vision, you know, a week from now. So it's really about preparing for that that future self or that potential future self. Yeah, and I really do feel like that is. I don't know if it's just part of being human, but uh, you know, I've said it so much when I when I talk about. Um, accessibility or assistive technology in the sense that people don't want to think about it until they have to. And so, yeah. because, but you're absolutely right. Building these systems in actually benefits everybody because you don't know whether or not, you know, two weeks from now, you might be low vision or you might be blind yeah. or who knows what's going to happen or eventually it could happen to you. So having these systems in place you're not just servicing one small community. You're actually building a platform that is going to work universally across the board. And that's, the, that, you know, that's universal design. But it's, it's like you, you have to drag people kicking and screaming into that for some reason. And it, and it seems really counterintuitive, but I, I guess that's just, it, it's just human nature. And it's, I mean, so much of, of how we've been um, looking at technology and looking at, at things, it, it boils down to what is what is the shiniest thing that I can get for the lowest price? Yeah. And if that's how your procurement is structured, if that's how your your consumers are, 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 are orienting themselves around products, then yeah, people with disabilities are going to be left out. The environment's going to be left out. Um, Security is going to be left out. Like all that stuff is going to be forgotten because it it costs more to do it right and to to think about these products and to think about the long term. But if you if you're able to um, you know, th invest the time to go off and to build a better product and actually use the you're thinking accessibility, security, and sustainability as as things of, of building a quality product. Then, then you're you're going to be better in the long run. But it, it it is about trying to convince customers that they they can't just go for the 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 um, the, the the cheapest thing now. And 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 so much comes down to to government procurement as well. Like, um, so many um, government IT or sorry, government pro procurement drives so much of um, of of the economy in Canada and in in countries around the world. And if, if rather than um, simply having a bullet point in contracts that said, this, this, um, this technology, this website, this, this service must be WKAG 2.0 AA compliant, if it, if it moved from being a bullet point to actually being a much more comprehensive survey to go off and to, to engage with the, the vendor to make sure that they actually do understand what they're talking about in, on accessibility, if they're um, looking to, to um, you identify you know um, how how accessible it is not just on the not just how accessible it could be or how accessible the salespeople say it is but like let's actually show show the the procurement officers the list of accessibility issues for your product let's have open issue queues so we can talk about this in the open and not guess about how accessible a product is based on a vpat statement that was written by the salespeople in order to go off and to get a contract two years ago so do you think that like some of the problem here is just the word accessibility itself? Because it is a, a little bit of a, a loaded term and it can incredibly large amount of gradient in there. Do you yeah. find that there's a lot of misconception uh, about what people even conceive accessibility meaning? 
There is. I mean, even just from the basic of, you know, can you access it, right? I mean, that's, that's one use of the term accessibility. Um, people also um, are asking, you know, people will say, well, it's accessible, but, but that it's accessible doesn't really mean anything. It's not really a, it's accessible to who, with what tools, um, doing what task, um, that, that it's, it's not necessarily a trivial issue to, to, you know, just to define something as being accessible because, because it's, you, you need to, to understand when you're, when you're talking about technology, you need to try to understand what spec are they meeting and, and how are you achieving and, and, and maintaining that, that spec. And, and if you, if you don't have a technically sophisticated audience, then, then it's, it's really difficult to, um, to have a, a meaningful conversation about, about technical specifications. I wish I had a happier answer than that, but I think that's, <laughs> that's part of the problem. Yeah, you brought the real, really brought the podcast down, Mike. Exactly. But, but, there's, but there's lots of hope, though. I mean, it is, it's amazing what, what progress is happening. Um, with, with civic actions, we're, we're trying to compile um, lists of, of uh, um, accessibility, uh, open source accessibility tools that are, are out there that, that are available for people to use. And I just keep running into more and more great open tools that, that allow people to uh, to try and, and and identify accessibility issues and, and to to resolve them as, as quickly as possible. Um, I've been really impressed with um, with the the uh, with DQ's acts and the the whole community around that open source initiative and and um, and the ways that people are using acts in in really creative ways. Um, we're we're using the. Um, um, the Singapore government went and created a uh, an open source um, uh, website crawler that that uses acts to 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 uh, identify the the accessibility problems with with any page that it crawls um, using acts. So it doesn't 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 cover everything, but it covers about a third of the accessibility issues that that generally happen on a website. So it's it's a it's a good measure of, of identifying sort of the low hanging fruit on on a website. But um, but you can you can now quickly identify like you know hundreds of thousands of errors with with uh, um, with websites that that you you would otherwise sort of you know be able to pick and choose which which uh, um, which pages are accessible or not. Um, the stuff that's happening in Europe around the 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 web accessibility directive and the uh, the European Accessibility Act is also really quite impressive. And I think that that will have a a much bigger impact on on the the um, on global technology and and the um, and on both both the well on on government sort of the, setting the standard for government, but also uh, because the European Accessibility Act is geared towards um, private sector companies, it will have a huge impact on on the accessibility of of, of many technologies that want to sell into Europe. So again, I think companies are going to be stepping up their game in order to go off and to deal with, with this large economic shift to, to requiring accessibility and, and to, to, uh, to helping to um, monitor and review it in a more, more significant way. So what I hear you saying is we're still living in the Wild West. We've got apps, we've got web apps, we've got iOS, we've got Android, we've got Windows, Linux, and Mac. We've got all these smart devices in our lives now. 
are we are we getting ahead <laughs> oh you, you forgot to mention um the the uh, uh voice interactions like oh, siri and, and google yeah. Home and alexa and that's that right. matter, virtual reality so you've got mozilla hubs and uh spatial and and oculus and and um um so are we going forward or backward i i think that that i tend to th to think that they're um, like if you look at the web a million study, um, in the next, the next iteration will happen in March. They're going to be doing it for now for the, for three years in a row. And, um, the second year was worse than the first. And I would be surprised if it's much different in, in year three, that, that I, I don't imagine that there is, is much going to be much change between year two and year three, except if, if it goes the wrong way. Um, but I, I think that's partly because our, our focus as a community has been looking at, at, um, at training, at education, at, at uh, doing you know, better audits, uh, finding more bugs. But we haven't actually looked at how do we fix the problems at the source? How do we move the libraries that we're all using up so that they are more accessible by default, that we're thinking about accessibility when, when people are learning how to program in React or Angular or with Gatsby or, or, or whichever, that, they're, that, that, that accessibility is built in and best practices are, are there for them to learn as they're, they're coming to this new technology. Um, I think that, that we're still at a stage where because of, of the, um, the, the, the way that we're training people to use uh, JavaScript that, that so many people aren't even learning HTML properly. So a lot of the semantics in HTML that that we we which older sites benefited from because because they were built with people who understood HTML, um, they're not getting that now because they're they're because developers are are trying to do it all with with divs and and um, and then then a, a throw uh, area to try and provide whatever semantics they see that seem fit um, at the time. Um, so I, I think we are still in the wild west um but there there is hope that there are are new patterns that are creating or that are coming about whether that's with with uh uh tools like joomla or wordpress um you know taking accessibility more seriously or whether it's collaboration on a bigger scale um we're involved with with a, a project called um the, the the we for authors cluster um, that that uh, Funka, um, which is a, a European organization, um, has has uh, has got a grant from the European Commission to uh, to do a study on on authoring tools and to try and make suggestions about the how to improve authoring tools to make it easier for authors to um, to produce accessible content. It's essentially A tag part B if if you're following right. the, the WCAG standards or the uh, Web Accessibility uh, Initiative standards. Um, but but there there are initiatives that are 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 making it better, but it is going to take a little time before before they're widely adopted here in Canada. And yeah, and you know, it's interesting too that, you know, most web development these days does usually happen in the form of using a content management system. There's not yeah. many people out there that that code just using HTML anymore. Uh, that's just not where where web development is gone but on the other hand you look at things like shopify and they've got a you know a really terrific library of of accessibility patterns and themes and and uh examples that that store owners are able to use that that would make it much easier for anyone who has 
is has a Shopify website to make their site accessible compared to um, somebody who was trying to build something from scratch, you know, a decade ago. Yeah, so in a way that it, it actually makes it easier because if everyone's using the same tools and those tools have accessibility baked in, then we're golden. Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's a lot of good tools out there. And, um, and you know, and uh, there, there was, um, I think that the the thirteen letters podcast did uh, did an interview with with uh, with somebody that was talking about um, the uh, the impact of of uh, um, on Wix of about an Israeli law or something about about accessibility and and, and Wix went off and 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 uh, because they were they heard from customers and they heard customers con were concerned about accessibility um, and they were going to lose some customers and they're a very customer focused organization they they introduced a whole lot of, of accessibility issues in order to go off and satisfy yeah. a few hundred customers in in Israel that were were worried about some new um, legislation that was coming into into effect so organizations who are customer focused and who hear from their customers that there are that accessibility is a priority are going to react to that eventually and and i think we, we don't do enough to to make sure that we're asking about accessibility in in every opportunity yeah. whether that's when we're we're thinking about buying a product whether that's that's after we bought the product whether it's it's um, you know publicly on twitter um or in other other forums where you can you can ask questions about the the uh, accessibility and the commitment of accessibility of that product the more that that's done in the open um and that other people can see it and build on it the, yeah. the stronger it is yeah, really, because it's really uh, there. There's a large component of this that I feel is is education, and it's having having the conversation, like you said, in the open, where people can see it and people get used to it. I mean, you even see this in the in the actual build environments. You see buildings being constructed that are brand new that barely squeak by in terms of of accessibility. Yeah. I mean, it may have. A, you know, a wheelchair entrance, it may have ramps, but then it doesn't have braille signage on the bathrooms or even architecturally, it's built in a way that doesn't make it easy for, say, somebody who's visually impaired to actually navigate that space, whether it's angled staircases or all these things, just because they look neat, but yeah. they're not necessarily accessible. And I feel like that really translates into the digital space as well, because so often uh, developers will just will develop something that looks great or like you said that caters to a certain small niche community within their customers and lock a lot of other people out in the cold uh, because it's not accessible yeah absolutely um and and it's um it really needs to be a understood that 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 accessibility is a blocker just like security would be a blocker um you and 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 that that needs to be be drilled home to to uh, to in the developer teams and, and so, so that it's not something that is 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 forgotten about um but but that takes customers asking for it on all the levels and making sure that 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 the the uh, um the people making the decisions um within the organization the businesses that are making these products are are really aware of that um we we can't assume that that uh, developers are going to have the time to um, to research accessibility best practices, we need to to try and build it in by default, so that they're that the packages yeah. that they're using that they've selected are already including many of the accessibility defaults that they would would need in order to go off and produce a a reasonably accessible site. 
Yeah, and you know, and I want to be like you. I think I want to be optimistic about this because I do really think that the conversation has really come a long way in the last five years. I think people accessibility is is much more at the at, at, on people's lips these days than it ever used to be. Yeah, but but it's it's also a, I mean a, a huge transition. Um, so I was was. Uh... So just just you know dealing with with we, we we've got a cabinet we've had we, we had two cabinet ministers in the last term that had had uh, uh, disabilities. Um, now Carla, Carla Quantro is still a, a minister um, in the Trudeau cabinet with with a disability, and as I understand it, she needs to 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 view PDFs in, in a large print format in order to be able to read them. Um, so she has some sight, but but needs to be in in large print to to, to be able to to access the content. Um, but the whole mechanism of the government of Canada is built around, you know, PDFs. That is the it, it's it's we haven't fully digitized our processes. We've taken um, we're, we're basically looking at at uh, um, we've we've taken the paper documents that we had a hundred years ago, and we turn them into electronic facsimiles of that that information in a PDF, and then. Um, then we're wondering, you know, why these aren't accessible. It's like, well, you wouldn't expect paper to be be able to be scaled and wouldn't be able to to be be managed, and and we haven't taken a jump to have digitally native documents that are that we're using. We're not looking at at how to um, how to 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 build in systems that are able to take advantage of the technology because PDFs are a crappy format for storing and organizing information. They're they're a legacy throwback system that doesn't work well on mobile phones. It doesn't it's not secure. It's not. Um, it's not any. Um, it, it has the advantage. The biggest advantage is, is that it's easy for people to produce, but it's really hard to make sure that they're accessible. Um, there, it's hard for machines to read them. If you're looking at at trying to create a uh, a machine readable system that that organizes and collates information, um, so it's not future compatible either. But but we could transition to going having and having a government that is um, that is digital native that that is is moving beyond um, paper facsimiles and looking at at um, at supporting more um, inherently accessible digital formats. I just hope we don't get to the point where the government says, or any entity using, you know, inaccessible PDFs or, or documents of whatever sort, you know, I hope they don't come and say, well, you know, your screen reader now can scan OCR, a PDF or a file and import it into Word. And now you have, you know, you have access to that text or, you know, whatever the case may be, you know, both JAWS and MVDA have that ability now. So, and, you know, iOS has the screen recognition, you know, it'll I try to identify a, a picture or image on the screen. So is that kind of letting people out of their responsibility to make things accessible? That artificial right. intelligence is, is a, I, I think that it's a, it's both a real hope, but also a real uh, potential challenge. And, and, um, but I think we're thinking about it the wrong way. We're thinking about it as how can we um, use this this machine learning algorithm to go off and, and replace human effort? And I, I think if we, as long as we're thinking about that, we're not going to, we're not going to, we're going to be doing a disservice to people with disabilities. Um, if instead of, of that approach, we look at, at intelligence augmented, the idea that we want to go off into make it as easy as possible for the content to be high quality content and we're going to make it we're going to replace a lot of the drudgery of creating this this information so that the the uh, the author can can focus on creating 
good quality content, then I think we're in a different situation if we can make that transition about how we think about machine learning. Um, in, in, in terms of, of alt text, you, there's no, never going to be a, um, a, an AI program that's going to be able to provide a good quality uh, alt text for, for users in, in, in all situations. Because so much about, about, machine, about good alt text is actually putting it in context. And you'd have to understand what the author's intentions were and how do you try and present the, um, the intentions of the author to a way that would be meaningful and add, add, add flourish or context to the story you're trying to tell. Um, and you know, artificial intelligence does not work magic. It is, is, it's an algorithm. It, it's math. Um, so it can, um, it can look at, at the, uh, the, the pictures and, and try and make uh, judgments based on the pictures, based on, on, on images of previous pictures that have come beforehand. But it can't read an author's mind and interpret what, what that content should be. I could see how something, especially going to the PDF example, it's a great example to use because PDFs have been around for so long and now they're just used across the board. They're ubiquitous uh, amongst yeah. businesses. So even if tomorrow somebody developed a, a format that did the same thing as a PDF, except it, it built it differently and it built it so that it was completely accessible out of the box, well, then you have the problem of, okay, well, how do we roll this out? How are we possibly going to get people to stop using PDFs uh, and, and to use this new format? So I can really see that how that can be a, a real issue as well, even if we do develop the tools. Well, I mean, the, the technology is already there. I mean, EPUB is a... Yeah. Uh, pretty solid format. There's there's some um, the biggest problem with EPUBs is that they're uh, that the browsers don't open them natively, so you have to have an add-on in order to go up into to open uh, an EPUB. But it's just encapsulated HTML, so that works just fine. Um, there's there's the idea of taking um, uh, uh, having having a, a a single like a HTML um, uh, mobile HTML files or MHTML files. Um, so you can save um, a web page as a single HTML file, and it'll uh, encode all the information together into a single HTML file. That's accessible um, because it's HTML. It has that semantics built into it. Um, so we don't, I mean, and for that matter, looking at, at uh, Microsoft Office or um, the, the uh, uh, open office, uh, open doc document format, both of those are, are reasonably accessible document formats. So we're not waiting for some, some new technology yeah. to come about. It's about setting up political priorities to say, we're going to make it inconvenient to put PDFs up there. We're going to go off and, yeah. and publicly dissuade people from using PDFs because otherwise we're just, we're, we're throwing we're going to be throwing a lot more money at a problem. And the longer we wait to go off and to, to stop producing PDFs, the more, the, the bigger technical debt we're going to have because the accessibility challenges, the legal challenges that we have around PDFs are not going away. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. You know, and not only that, I mean, EPUBs, HTML, I mean, the, the file sizes of those compared to PDFs are, are, are pretty major. Like they're so much smaller. And you can you can cram so much more information into a smaller file size, it just it makes sense right across the board. But you know, it's just making that switch, getting people on board is is what the challenge is. Yeah, how do yeah, you convince I mean, people to transition that much legacy documentation? Yeah. 
to some extent you need to to triage the the um the information and be able to say for the the information that's already out in a pdf format then 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 you know how do we prioritize that information and make sure that the the legacy content is dealt with in in a in a way that that is provides the most value because i don't think it makes a lot of sense to go off and to to make documents from 1990 that are in a pdf format accessible um that that is a would be would be a, a long process to, to to do that um and it would be something that that uh, if we're going to try and digitize everything that would take a huge yeah. a huge budgetary com commitment to do but if you knew that you could ask for any document that the government of canada had and get it in, in an uh, accessible epub format within a you know, a one-week process that would probably be just fine, and and it, I mean, it's not like PDFs are a bad format for everyone. Uh, for for a lot of, I mean, for for printing, which is what they were defined for, it works quite quite well. Um, for um, for other things, it doesn't work so well. But but it 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 still is quite a useful format for archiving information, for um, for pro providing a, uh, a, a, a if you want to print it out, it's useful. If you want to just look at it your, on your screen and see it in a pretty format on your screen, um, with with um, like you would a magazine, you know, PDFs are still quite useful. But but I think that there's there's reason to hope, but it, it does still require collective action. It still does require right. us building on on the commitments and promises that governments have made and and holding people to account for for what they've promised to do. Um, and I, I think that there's there's so much. Uh, I mean, we're now in a position where 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 so many people are are working remotely and that's um, that's really good for some people with disabilities. It's yeah. really been a, a wonderful thing. For other people, it's been much more of a challenge, and 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 whether that's based on on disability or based on, you know, just the the, the your personality type, um, but but I think we need to be thinking as a society how do we um, how do we try and and you know keep the good parts of distributed teams that are, are for people who are able to work remotely, um, but but also try and find ways to to have people have that type of, of in-person encounter and engagement, you know, some sort of hybrid method to allow people to uh, engage with each other uh, post COVID. Right. Mike, could you give us a bit of an idea of what you guys do over there at Civic Actions? So, so I'll just give a, a quick uh, a quick summary. I mean, you know, Civic Actions does a lot of work with the with government and nonprofit agencies. Um, they acquired Open Concepts uh, assets back in November and are, are beginning to do work in Canada, um, both with the uh, uh, the government of Canada, but also with with other organizations. Um, Civic Actions has been around for I think it's for seventeen years. I think. Um, and uh, there's over 100 employees that are, are, are uh, it's, a, it's a distributed workforce. Everyone works uh, in a distributed fashion. Um, and and uh, uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's a, a neat team that, that, uh, uh, that works with, with open source software and who c collaborate and contribute back to, to a number of different open source communities. Um, there's, uh, they've, they've done, uh, done a lot of work around agile and agile, um, procurement and agile, um, uh, software development. So that's another area that they've, they've, uh, they've built as one of the, the core, core elements of the team. Um, but they, they realized that, uh, that accessibility was something that they, they needed to, to do more of, and that there was, was an opportunity to, to, uh, uh to bring on the expertise of, of, uh, of open concept in, into the, uh, into the company in order to to uh, to be able to um you know uh, 
to, to position themselves better uh, for government contracts, but also to be be able to uh, uh, to, to be uh, to have a bigger impact because because impact is a um, they're they're uh, uh, very much an impact driven company and and want to 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 make the world a better place and by by making uh, software more accessible and by helping our clients work with with. Uh, uh, build more accessible uh, content than than uh, it's something that that um, that is is uh, um, yeah is really quite quite useful. Um, we're we're building out a a new um, a new service offering that's that's looking at at uh, uh, trying to increase uh, accessibility confidence in organizations and to to help uh, organizations not only look at the the accessibility errors that that uh, that might be on their website, but also uh, look at the processes and policies that they have internally in order to um, to find ways that they can um, can improve and to to build more confidence as a as a team um, and to to uh, to make better choices about about uh, uh, their their about software vendors that they choose and and looking at at how to 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 build in more more accessibility expertise into their their own team um, into the various different roles of of. Uh, um, that, that any mature organization has to, to maintain uh, digital pro properties. You are fighting the good fight, good sir. Thank you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's, and where can people find Civic Actions if they are so interested in looking you guys up? So you can find Civic Actions at civicactions.com and uh, it's also uh, on Twitter, it's uh, at Civic Actions. Uh, you can find me at at M. Gifford on Twitter and uh, um, it's, it's mike.gifford at civicactions.com if you want to send me an email. So it's great chatting with you all. Yeah, thanks. Yes, thank thank you. you, Mike, for taking the time. Much appreciated. Okay, guys. Take Have care. Have a good night. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Wow, what a cool guy. Um, I yeah, can't... why didn't they hire? Why, why didn't the government hire him to do the COVID websites? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He needed to talk sure to Mike a... before they launched them. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure there's a lot of people that are qualified to do it. They just didn't. They threw up some forms and said, "Here you go." Oh, but it's always nice to talk to somebody who's a listener. I I had no idea that he actually listened to the show. Yeah, we we know for sure we've got at least what two listeners now. Mm wait what who is your mom who else listens to this show <laughs> no it's that uh, that shan guy oh shan yeah sure right 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 <laughs> shout out to shan our other listener <laughs> uh, see we're just we just want an email from him next week we always know when we give exactly. a shout out to him we'll get an email <laughs> email ryan shan he's lonely <laughs> I read all emails sent to cowbell at atbanter.com. Is that there you go? I don't know if that's a promise or a threat. I read them all. <laughs> you decide. Oh Lord, what a day, man! I'm I'm bushed, you guys. Like this is after getting angry earlier, and then that really great conversation with Mike. Man, crazy. I'm ready for a nap. Has anyone heard from Rick lately? How's Rick doing? Yeah, he sent a couple of messages uh, earlier, I think. We, we usually get a hello from him in the morning, but that's about it. Hmm. Yeah, you no, I saw my... those, but I, I, just, I, I thought maybe one of you guys had actually talked or interacted with him lately. No, I dropped my computer off earlier this week because yeah, he was fixing he? and replacing the fan in there. Uh-huh. So it sounds like he's doing all right. Yeah. 
Hmm. It will be nice um, when this pandemic's over to go get some breakfast one morning. I do have to admit that I do miss those yes, mornings. Well, we'll do it before the pandemic's over, but at least we'll do it once we're vaccinated. The pandemic's not going to be over for yep. years. Just because we're vaccinated doesn't mean the pandemic's gone. Yeah, you know what? That's true, actually. I was thinking about that and thinking about just once this vaccine does roll out, just what is that going to actually mean? Because it's going to be weird. It's it's going to be... A it just means your chances transition. of dying are a lot less likely. Well, you know, but it's still... <laughs> like, you're still going to want to do things not all that different than what we're doing now, right? Because if I understand this correctly, so you're vaccinated, that means that you you won't get sick from COVID, but you can carry COVID, right? I think you could still get sick. You can, or... I think it'd be, it'd be like the flu symptoms, I think. So you just won't get as sick. Right. Yeah, it's supposed to, uh, if, if it does nothing else, it's supposed to at least reduce your symptoms somewhat. Right, right. But you can still carry it either way. Like even if you're, you're asymptomatic or you just have minor Correct. symptoms, you're still carrying COVID. So you could still spread that to somebody who isn't vaccinated. So, Correct. Yeah. So it's not like we're just going to get a shot in the arm and then just go right back to living. Yeah, no, they're still telling people even once you get vaccinated, you know, they still recommend wearing masks. and Yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be really weird. That's going to be a really interesting thing to see what people do. Once, well, and keep in mind, there's the anti-vaxxers and the anti-maskers, and you know, so. Well, and even I look at, I was looking at the vaccine rollout schedule, and like, you know, us, you know, us old bastards, like we're still not due. I think what like late, June or July, late July, I think is when we would, our our that's all going well, which I don't think yeah. it will, but but say. But like that still means like everybody below us is still not going to get vaccinated until probably like next Christmas. Like September 40s, 30 year olds. I mean, they're all and there was, you know, ironically, those are the people that are the problem, right? Those 20 year olds are the ones that are spreading it and they go last. So by the time everyone gets vaccinated, it's going to be time. We're going to have to get vaccinated again. Well, my theory is once the four of us have both of our shots, yeah, um, I'm game to get get back together for breakfast again. Um, I'm yeah. turning fifty this year, so I'm having a party once we're all vaccinated. <laughs> so you guys, and it's going to be before my birthday because we're not having a party okay. at the end of December. It's going to be September, October. Cool. Um, so yeah, you know, if we're all vaccinated, have both of our shots, then we're having a party. Okay, and we're going to live stream it. <laughs> we can do that. <laughs> we'll see where we're all. See where the situation lies at that point in time but that's the plan ah. hmm. Hmm. cool well that sounds good sounds good to me tired of the four walls well you gotta get back to some sense of normality right at some point just for your own mental health yeah yep and nothing says Absolutely. normal to me yeah like- I, f- I figure I'm gonna start going back to restaurants and stuff after my first shot Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I want I mean, they'll, they'll, they'll still have safety precautions in place, but. 
Yeah, my big concern Once is I got my first one. I'm good to go. Yeah, I'll have to discuss that with Linda. Her big concern is because she's diabetic and she doesn't want me bringing it into the house, and she's more vulnerable than I am. So mm, we'll wait yeah, and see. True. That is true. Yep. Pancakes and bacon. <laughs> That's all I want. Mm, bacon. Yes. You can have bacon at home, you know. They have these things called frying pans I've been and, having, and stoves. I, and... I've, actually, I've actually been having a lot of bacon at home. I've actually been cooking hash browns and bacon quite a bit. Yeah, it's funny. You know, we've eaten out or ordered <clears throat> ordered takeout, I think, once since this whole pandemic started. So we're not eating out. We're not ordering in. We're doing all of our own cooking and stuff. And it's... It, it, it's interesting because I still have cravings for fast food or, you know, pizza from Pizza Hut once in a while or whatever. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to the day where it's just like, okay, I've got both shots in me now. Look out because here I come because I'm going to have a, a gastro party for sure. <laughs> well, that's interesting that you say that because I've kind of been the same way. Like, and not really because I don't think it's because I'm freaked out about ordering in because like really uber eats and skipped editions and stuff it's really easy to do i just don't i just it's just easier yeah. to just you know you do grocery shopping and you you just grab whatever you need for the week and yeah i just don't bother yeah. with it um but i have to admit that uh, twice this week um i actually walked up to my local subway and got got my old foot-long pizza sub order from the day and uh it was delicious it was amazing and i hadn't had i don't think i'd had subway for like a year and it was yeah. just like i had it on monday and i was just like oh my god this is so good and tuesday rolled around i was like man i'm gonna go do that again <laughs> yeah i'm looking forward to my teen burger and my baconator and my poutine and right yeah poutine Ooh, yes. yeah yeah, and of course, and of course, seeing you guys again because you know we've had nobody in the house other than Steve's son Mike to do some electrical work, and we haven't been anywhere. So yeah. like, I haven't had fellowship with anybody outside the house. Yeah, right. Since last year, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's been a nut year. Yep. Good thing I'm an introvert. <laughs> well, that's what I keep saying too. I'm just like, man, I can't. I feel bad for the extroverted people because, man, like, yeah. Because even for me, like, the first six months was kind of a cakewalk, but after that, it starts to be like, okay, this is like not all that cool as I thought it would be. <laughs> so, yeah, it'll be nice to get all this shit over with and stuff. Just pe and I'm sick of. You know what I'm other sick of? I'm just sick of people, like conspiracy theories and because all that stuff was funny at first but now it's just getting really annoying everybody has an opinion on what they think the science should be and it's it's really pissing me off wow you're in quite the i know mood, aren't I'm you? Telling you, this, this whole thing put me, this whole show put me in a bad mood i'm sorry <laughs> you just go on the ranch show all right let's let's cap this off before all right before somebody gets hurt uh, <laughs> hey, Ryan. Yes, Rob. Hey, where can people find us? ATBanter.com. Hey, they can also drop us a line if they so desire at cowbell at ATBanter.com. 
And they can also get us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's right. That's right, Steve. Did, did you know? Preach it, Steve. Yeah. We uh, want you to join us on the Facebook. Except for Steve. Steve's not on Sorry, Facebook. Sorry, I said to preach it. Steve is not on Facebook. Yes, he is. Shh. <laughs> <laughs> Oops, right. Sorry. No, he's not. That was before. That's just... That's just to admin the Aroga or the uh, the Aroga page. That's just to admin the Canadian Assistive Technology. Yes, he will not argue with you. So don't even bother reaching out and baiting him. Don't you dare tell him that the Earth is flat, or that vaccines don't work, or how to farm fish. Uh, all right. Well, I think that is going to about do it for us this week, fellas. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. A big thanks to Mr. Mike Gifford for joining us and having a rousing conversation about digital accessibility. And uh, we will see everybody next week. We're going to have to fix that cowbell. This podcast has been brought to you by Canadian Assistive Technology, providing low vision and blindness solutions across Canada. Find us online at www.canastech.com. That's C-A-N-A-S-S-T-E-C-H dot com. Or call us toll free at 1-844-795-8324. For all your assistive technology servicing needs, call Chaos Technical Services at 778-847-6840 or find them online at chaostechnicalservices.com.